Well, good morning, my friends. This is podcast number 393 for Tuesday, October 12th. Grab your Bibles and your notepads, and uh, let's look, first of all, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Let's look at our memory verses. Verse 19 of Colossians 1, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now, understanding those two verses is so crucial to us, because Christ is deity. He's God. And the Bible says that we're joined with him at salvation. And what are we joining? Um, what are we allowing to be involved in that? Do we want to join Christ to things in our life that are unpleasing? Now, if you look at Colossians chapter 3, uh, we talked yesterday from verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now there's a transition in verse 5, because the transition then is to what we should do based on the fact that we know, verse 4, that our life is hidden in Christ. Now, nobody wants to hear negative. I don't like to be around negative people. And and the problem is today that we see speaking against sin as some kind of negative activity, and the reality is it's not. It is admonition. It is it is warning, and Paul is warning a Christian group here. He's not talking about outsiders. He's not. He's talking to people who are believers. And look at what he says. And we're going to read a couple of verses here. It says, he says, "Put to death." What is put to death? That's an activity that you and I do because we are in Christ. God has not only uh, saved us, but He strengthened us and given us the ability to put to death. Paul says in another version, mortify, to put to death, to kill. Therefore, what is earthly in you? What is earthly in you? Why? Because it is this ongoing process of sanctification. And we don't coddle or baby our sins. We deal with them because they will deal with us. They will take us down a road that we don't want to go. And um, we're getting, we'll get farther and farther from our, our a pure relationship with Christ. It says, put to death sexual uh, immorality begins to name it, impurity, passion. And the passion is the, the passion of the flesh that's trying to draw you away, not your passion for Christ. Evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, all of these things. He says, we need to put to death. Why do we need to put it to death? Look at verse six. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. Turn to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven upon against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The wrath of God is coming. It's, 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 it's in this world and it's, it's constant in the sense that people who are living in sin, the consequences of those sin are there. But there's coming a day of intense wrath where, where God will say enough is enough. The last Gentile is saved and the wrath of God will come up against this planet like we've never seen before. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain. Because God has shown it to them. Um, 
The Bible tells us in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And so there's general revelation that there is a God, but it doesn't say who that God is, right? But then there's specific um, uh, revelation, specific revelation in that John 1, 14, he sent, or John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So we have the word of God. And then verse 14 says, we have Jesus who was the word of God made flesh. So general revelation, there is a God, the stars, the uh, the, the moon, the planet, it, it declares it. It's the beauty. It's the, the awesomeness of creation. And then in verse 1 we of John 1, 1, we have the word of God. And in John 1, 14, we have, we have the word of God made flesh. So that's the specific revelation. Verse 20 of John, or Romans 1, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. See, all those things declare the invisible attributes of God. Jesus declares the visible attributes of God. He was God made flesh. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were dark and claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then it goes on to say in in Romans 1 that they just exchanged all of the things of God for all of the things of the flesh. And Paul is speaking here back in Colossians chapter 3 to a group of believers and he's saying, you need to put to death all of these things. Because if you don't, you'll experience the wrath of God as well. Well, does that mean we'll lose our salvation? No, if you're truly saved, God deals with us and he deals with us hopefully through the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word through through people who stand in pulpits and are, and, and are bold enough to proclaim the word of God. The word of God is not all just about love, love, love. It's about why God loves us. He loved us and gave his life for us to, to, to save us from what? From all this wickedness and this the wrath of God that is to come. But at salvation, that's the beginning of the work that God is doing in us. And he places us in, in, the, in, in the church to, to receive the word of God. And so pastors and teachers, you need to be preaching the word of God. Verse 7 of chapter 3. In these things you too once walked. Again, I talked to you yesterday about your past your present and your future. And here's the past again. In these things, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, but now you're present. You must uh, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Can I just say that I have never seen or heard, either Facebook or in person, so much filthy talk that comes out of the mouths of so-called believers. We need to stop it. We need to stop it. We need to stop the coarse joking, the obscene talk, and we need to protect what comes out of our mouth because people are listening. And there needs to be a difference between our communication and the communication of the world. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. Again, he's talking to believers. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put this off, the old self with its practices. So we have from verses 5 to 9 this undressing, if you will. This removing this cloak of of our unrighteous life, which is only made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the blood applied to our lives. And we remove those old things. And then he goes on uh, uh, to the positive and have been uh, have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Remember, we talked about the image 
uh, in us of God has been effaced. It's been marred. It's been scarred, but it hasn't been destroyed. We're still image bearers. So at salvation, as God takes up residence in our life through his Holy Spirit, all of a sudden what happens is this transition from the old and from the marked and the effaced image of God in our lives. And all of a sudden we're, we get renewed. We get renewed in our knowledge, it says here in verse 10. So evidently, part of what fell in sin was our knowledge. And and so God's restoring this understanding, and that's it's probably more than anything our knowledge of our Creator, right, and the knowledge of how to live in this world. It says it's after um, the image of its Creator. We are uh, we were made in the image of God, Imago Dei. We're made in the image of God. We're we're effaced or marred by sin, and so we need to put off the old self. And that is at, at salvation, Jesus comes to take up residence in our life. And then little by little, then there's this process of sanctification. We're saved, we're being saved. And ultimately, when he, we go to be with him or he returns to get us, we are completely uh, glorified. Verse 12, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. What is he saying? Because of sin, there is this separation that takes place where we build these walls up where we begin to separate ourselves, where we become uh, um, elitists and we, and we run with only our little group. But in Christ, there's no longer these separating walls, but they've come down. So there's no room for racism. There's no room for saying one group of people is inferior to the other, but we are all free in Christ if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. So put them on then as God's holy ones, holy and beloved, comma. What do we put on? We put on compassionate hearts. We put on kindness. We put on humility. We put on meekness and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another. As if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord is forgiving you, so you must also forgive. And above all this, put on love, which binds to get everything together in perfect harmony. It's not love first. It's all of these things. And then we put on love and love binds all the kindness and the, the um, forgiveness and the compassion and the patience and the meekness and the bearing with one another. And what should be our watermark? What should be um, the, the image that we're looking at, it's we forgive as Christ forgive us. We forgive as Christ has forgiven us. See, there's the putting off and then there's the putting on. There's the changing. And we make no provision for the things of the flesh. We have to constantly remind ourselves that the flesh is at war with our spirit. It's, it's like the old story that the grandpa was talking with his son and he said, within us lies two, two, two natures. So there's the, the nature of, of uh, the flesh, this wild animal that wants to be fed. And there's this nature of the spirit that, that, that needs to be fed. And there's this battle that goes on and the, and the young grandson says to his grandpa, and which, which one wins? And he said, whichever one I feed. What are you feeding today? You need to starve fear. You need to starve hatred. You need to starve all these things. You need to starve them out. And how do you do that? You feed the spirit through the word of God, through prayer, through fellowship, being in a Bible-believing church. You need to fill yourself up with the things of God. Why? Because you starve out the flesh then. 
Even though the Bible says we're dead to it, we know that it's not completely dead to us. There's still the avenues um, that can that can seek in. And, and the Bible says that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't know everything about you, but all he has to do is watch you for a while and know your weaknesses. Know my weaknesses. I can spend time with you and I can tell you if I spent enough time with you what your weaknesses are and you could do the same with me. That's how the enemy does. He's not omnipresent. He's not all powerful. He's not all knowing. No. All he's got to do is view your activity and your actions. We used to be able to say, I can I can tell by what you view and I can tell by your checkbook what you pay for, what's the most important things in your life. Right? We need to be an open book before the Lord and we need to come before the Lord every morning and we need to say, what do I need to work on today? And the Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you. Verse 14, it says, and above all this, put on love, which binds together uh, all these things in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, he says, listen, there can't be these schisms. There can't be these breakdowns, these divisions in the body. But there also can't be within yourself. Where you have the two masks, where I have the Christian mask and I have this, the non-Christian, where I live in the world when I'm with the world, but I live for Christ on Sundays. No, it shouldn't be that way. Because if that's the case, there will be no peace of Christ ruling in your heart. There will be no peace of Christ ruling in your heart. Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit and all of those things that go with that fruit of the Spirit. But the reality is that if they're not all present then there truly is nothing present because the peace of God will not be there. If you're struggling in an area because you're yielding to an area, you're not going to be peaceful in your sleep at night because you're going to focus on the one thing. And there are areas in our life we all have weaknesses and we all need to just come before God. And first, first uh, John says we need to repent and we need to ask him forgiveness. And, and if we ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will do it. That scripture goes on to say in First John, if we say we have no sin, we make God to be a liar. Truth is not in us. We all have things that we struggle with. We need to stop feeding it. We need to starve it. We need to feed the word of God in ourselves. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing. There's that word admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. What do we need to do? We need to starve these things of the flesh. We need to, to, to lay them down. And we need to be ones who are willing to love and to admonish and to care for one another. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Oh, Gary, you're just being judgmental. Or, oh, Gary, you're just being so harsh. No, I'm just trying to teach you the word of God. When I teach you, I'm teaching me. That I need to starve out some things in my life. And I need to do that by shining the light on the word of God and let the word of God shine the light on me. I need to get up and I need to spend some time in the Word. And to say we have no time is just not true. We all have the same amount of time during the day. Obviously, it's allotted differently in everyone's of our lives. But you can find time to spend time in the Word. You're finding time to listen to this podcast, and, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. 
Look at Galatians chapter 6. So what happens then? What happens then if uh, if we see somebody that's struggling with a sin? Do we go to one another and just beat them down? Do we go to one another and hit them with our Bibles? No, here's what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Galatians 6, 1 through 3. When we see somebody struggling, we don't just go, well, I'm not going to bother them because I don't want them to think I'm judgy. You don't have to be judgy. You need to be loving. You need to be gentle. You need to go with meekness and you need to, you need to, to say, this is what I've seen and I worry about you. And I worry about you and I'm praying for you. And I will encourage you. Because if you come with judgment, if you come with guns, guns blazing, you're probably going to, you're probably going to lose a relationship. But we need to go. We need to care. We need to love. We need to go with meekness. And we need to watch ourselves lest we fall. Paul says, if you think you're something, be careful. Because you'll be deceived and you're deceiving yourself. We are who we are in Christ Jesus. And there's the putting on. And there's the putting off. And we cannot continue in sin and expect the blessing of the Lord. He's patient with us. But he gave us his word. He gives us people who love us. The people who are around you should be people that you can trust that would hold you accountable. And you would hold them accountable. Accountable not to your standards, but accountable to the scripture. Why? Because it's for their ultimate good and your ultimate good. We need to care. And we need to care enough to let the searchlight of the of the of the word of God come into our lives. And we need to clean up our act first by applying the scriptures to our life and asking for forgiveness in Jesus' name, and he will do it. And then we need to be readily, readily available to help others. We need to bear with one another. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to care. And we, Paul says, we so fulfill then the law of Christ. Let me pray for us. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Till we talk again.